Hello and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast where we interview local business owners and Maine residents to learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, and how they use experiences to steer them into the future. My name is Kimberly Rigolinski. And I'm Todd Rigolinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a local magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can also subscribe to on Podbeam, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. You can learn more about Keep It Local Maine at keepitlocalmaine.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through the links in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking with Jonathan Wyman. Jonathan is a Grammy-nominated and Billboard number one charting music producer, mixer, recordist, and multi-instrumentalist. Based in Portland, Maine, he has worked with artists such as The Pretty Reckless, Matt Cameron and Kim Thale from Soundgarden, Amy Allen, Speech from Arrested Development, Peter Wolf, Kay Flay, Moss, Spose, The Ghosts of Paul Revere, Rustic Overtones, and many more. So please welcome to the show, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, you two. So, yes, thank you so much. I'm, I feel like we're so official. We have a music producer in the studio. I know. We, we really have to I'm, make I'm sure judge, you sound good. I'm going to judge the audio quality of this. You're going to get a report card when we're done. Oh, good, yes. good. So I'm, is... I'm terrified because it's going to be like the report cards my dad used to have to sit me down and have lectures about. I, f- I feel big time today. I don't know. I just That's good. That's good. That's what it's all about, really, yes. is making you feel big yes, time. Yes. All right. So, so Jonathan, um, how did you get started? in music? I mean, as a kid, I I played a bunch of different instruments in school, and it wasn't until I picked up an electric guitar that I was sort of drawn to it, and and, and I I just, I connected with the electric guitar and, and, and consequently rock and roll music. Um, so that led to being in bands in high school and in college, and um, in high school, I used to, uh, I used to rent four, it's, it's funny, because Ten years ago, I thought this was a unique story, and now everybody my age who does what I do has the same sort of origin story where it just starts off with a cassette four-track recorder in your teenage years in the mm-hmm. in the attic of the house you grew up in, and, and, and you sort of catch the bug in, in, mm-hmm. in multi-tracking and... and uh, you know, recording all, usually all by yourself, and eventually it 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 gravitated into bringing it down to the band rehearsal space and needing more microphones for the drums. And how do you do this? And then college, the band I was in uh, wanted to do a record, and and we went to this studio that's long gone, but it was in Alston, Massachusetts, and and to sort of offset the cost of making the record I would hang around the studio and clean and clean bathrooms and sweep and and just be a a a, a gopher a runner and that sort of led into assistant engineering and then doing my own thing and then after college it was the the first thing I really did was I got a job at a recording studio doing the same sort of thing like they paid me to clean they paid me mm-hmm. to sweep and empty trash and just be there. And I think I got paid for 20 hours a week and I was there for like 70 hours a week. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like a hundred bucks a week at that time. Wow. And then it just, you know, I'd, I'd start to do my own things and my own sessions and a couple of them got legs and, and started to do things. And that's, that's basically the beginning of the trajectory. You, you, wow. you start super hands on. I have no formal training in recording. I, you know, I took lessons instrumentally um, but I can't really read music all that well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just sort of, I've learned everything just by diving in and by being in the, in the field and doing it. That is so cool. That, that is, is so awesome. Cool. Now, full disclosure, I, I was in a band that recorded an yes. album with, with John and it's, I'm no, I know that I've probably heard you say that you, you don't have any formal training, but for me, that is, it's so hard to believe. It's so hard for me to reconcile that with how I've seen you work <laughs> because you you just have this like way of just like oh yeah we're gonna do this and this and this and this and I'm just sitting there watching I'm like how in the world do you know how to I mean do it just all comes it, it's repetition man it's like rehearsal yeah. right how do you get good at playing a certain passage or playing a certain song you keep doing it and you keep repeating it and if you screw up if something goes wrong you remember why that went wrong and you don't do it again yeah um, and, and it's just sort of this is all I've done this is all I mean I've had a couple of retail jobs and slung coffee to to um make ends meet here and there but the, like professionally recording producing mixing music is the only thing I've really ever done so I had a lot I mean even I mean it was a, it was a hot minute ago we did the record for Mama's Boom Shack that was like what, five oh, six yeah. years ago uh, it's about six years ago now. Yeah. yeah, and and but you know, even then I'd been in it for twenty something years. Wow. So, um, wow. That's it's amazing. uh, it just you just do it all the time. You do it every day, and you get mm-hmm. better every day. I, I I like to I like to think that I'm still improving and still getting better and still learning how to do it better. Yeah, I mean, well, and then a couple of years ago, I I did one of the the weekend. Oh, yeah, of, that was so much workshops fun. Workshops, yeah. And even in there, I did kind of notice that there was there was some differences in things that you were talking about there, as opposed to when we recorded the album years before that. So it, I would definitely say uh, you're still improving from my perspective. <laughs> awesome, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so you mentioned that you you play an instrument. What what instruments do you play? Guitar. Guitar is my main instrument, and it's what yeah. I consider myself most adept at. Um, I can play bass like a guitar player, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I can play enough piano to get by to use a tool like MIDI to sequence piano parts. I could never, ah, you know, I think once I've actually played a keyboard instrument on stage mm-hmm. um, and that's about it. <laughs> um, but enough, you know, that I know, I know vo- chord voicings and inversions and stuff and, and can get by on it. And um, I play percussion. I was a, I, in high school, I was a Massachusetts all-state tenor. So um, that muscle has atrophied a bit. I do not really sing a whole lot, but I was I I, I was sort of steeped in that um, for a while. I can't play drums, but I love the drums. <laughs> I know. I wish I could play the drums. I, yeah. yeah, drums are a commitment. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <it is. laughs> you need you need so much gear and so much yeah. space and. Yeah. I've 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 played drums once on stage and I am not a drummer. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was it was actually the most terrifying thing I've I can only ever imagine. Done. It's not like you can sort of hide behind, you know. It's not like a guitar player where you can sort of play play quietly in palm mute and nobody really knows you're there. You know, with yeah. the drums it's it's all there. I think pound for pound too, drums are kind of the most expensive instrument, even like entry level. Yeah. You know, it it it, it takes I mean, you know, at least a thousand bucks just to like get a, an okay kit and enough cymbals and enough, pe- you know, you need the pedals and the stands mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, you start getting into that and you can, and then you start getting really picky. Like that's, with all that's, music. I mean, with anything in music, exactly. Yeah. 
I like I remember I, I remember you saying when we were recorded one time you said I'm hi- I'm heavily invested in German microphones. Yes. <laughs> that is my like, <laughs> my retirement account is all in German <laughs> microphones. Ugh. Well, in some ways it's nice because you don't have to there's no app you have to check for that. You just go to the closet. Yes, they're there. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it still works. So, one question I'm kind of curious about uh for my own personal curiosity is what's your favorite part of what you do? I think the best thing is seeing somebody on playback, like playing a mix back or playing something back for somebody and, and, and watching their reaction and being a part of making something that they might not have thought was even possible, making what comes out of the speaker better than what they had imagined. That, I think, is the, is the, is the best part. Um, realizing what is in an artist's head and being able to manifest that through the speakers. That's nice. so cool. Yeah. That's got to be gratifying. It's super gratifying. It's great. That's so cool. So let me ask you this. What, you know, in how long have you been doing this now? I mean, professionally since 1997, like getting paid. <sighs> yeah. I guess it was 95 when I started doing stuff in studios, but I never really got paid for it because it, at that studio in Alston, it was very much a handshake deal and, and they were incredibly generous because I definitely did not earn enough money to pay for all the time they gave us. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so 1997, so that'd be what? 20, 20, <laughs> you can't even do the yeah. math. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a while. 20 something. Yeah. So. So yeah, 23 years. Yep. Yep. I had to do that on my calendar, by the way. I didn't even... On my calculator, I It was not not so much the math. It was the realization of of how old I'm getting. Oh, I know. How invested in this I am. Oh, don't you love it when all... It all kind of hits you at once... Yeah, like I, jo- I joke says, about being being too far out to sea now. Like I, <laughs> I can't see the shore anymore. I just have to go where this <laughs> the tide is taking me. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like you hear a song that on like a quote unquote oldies radio station. Like that's not that old. I was no. in high school yeah, when that band, song. My band came. covered oh. this song. <laughs> so twenty twenty three. Yeah, as well. we'll so call it twenty three. What are some of the uh, challenges in in that time frame that you've had to overcome in your career? I think one of, one of the biggest challenges, and we touched on it when we were talking about the drum set, is the financial nature of mm. working in the music business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cover charge, until very recently in Portland, the cover charge for a, a club show hadn't really changed in 20 years. And, you know, a CD is still, when people still bought CDs, it was still 12 bucks, which is what they were when I was first buying CDs in 1988 or 86, whenever I got my first CD player. And, and you have this sort of stagnant earnings on the part of the artists. And then there are the fixed expenses. Like in the recording studio business, it requires square footage. It re- requires real estate. And mm-hmm. that has changed drastically in Portland, Maine over the last 20 years. Um, you know, electricity gets expensive, uh, annually gets, gets more expensive annually. Um, so being able to have a, a system, a setup, a, a facility that I deem worthy and I'm comfortable in that can also support mm-hmm. a local independent artist because 99% of everything I've ever done has been independently funded. Um, that's been a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, personally, I think um, overall from where I started, I think, you know, sort of overcoming the ego 
was a challenge for me. Um, being able to like sort of make sure I was not making the process about me mm-hmm. um, was was definitely a pitfall. Like early on, you know, coming at it as a musician, of course, I have an ego. Of course, what I think I think what I do is important and mm-hmm. all that. And being being able to sort of set that aside and realizing that the artist is the most important thing and everything I need to be doing needs to be serving the song and serving the artist. And I think that consequently that makes the artist more trustworthy um, mm-hmm. and ultimately makes the end result that comes out of the speaker better. Yeah. And like, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe as, as one more, you know, we've had economic, we've had personal, maybe technologically, the biggest challenge for me was realizing what rooms sounded like, you know, the first, room I worked in regularly as a control room just had a, a skewed frequency response. It just sounded a certain way. And I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how much the acoustics of the room that you're listening in play into everything else you do. Um, and I've become quite an evangelist for room acoustics and for treating rooms. Uh, when anybody asks me, if, and, and of course everybody now has their own home studio and everybody always asks me, what can I do to make it better? How can I make my recordings better? How can I be a better mixer? The first answer is always get your room in gear. Make sure your room sounds neutral and good because it's going to influence every other decision you make. And when your room is good, when your room does sound true, then you have this confidence, this sort of you know, Neo in the matrix confidence to do whatever you want and, and, and the moves you make yield the results that you hear in your head. And that's super, super gratifying. Wow. That's great. And yeah. as a bonus, you might know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish things were that easy that there was just a way you could just plug something into your head. And you yeah. But things. I mean, it, 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 oh. that's the, the closest I can, I can see to like getting your room acoustics right and knowing that what you're hearing is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how often have you been in a situation where you're listening to something when you're mixing something and then you take it out to the car and it sounds like garbage. And mm-hmm. you, you know, that's because the acoustics in your room that you were working in were making you work in a certain direction that doesn't translate to the rest of the world. So when you have those things worked out, it's just so much more satisfying when you bring everything out into the rest of the world. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Now, a, a question that I kind of have, and again, uh, some of these are actually just selfish on my part. Sure. It's stuff <laughs> I want to know. I, I, and that I isn't that the whole point of a too. podcast? It's like hanging out with your friends and talking. Like, <laughs> I, I listen to podcasts like I'm, you know, having coffee yes. with friends. See, now he gets it. Oh, Todd. Okay. <laughs> so Todd started a podcast about a year ago with a friend of his, okay? And it's been over a year, and I have not listened to one podcast. I, I'm going to have to be honest. And his wife hasn't either, so you're all right. They're an hour and a half to two hours long. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's all right. I, and I totally understand that. You have to listen to me normally. Why do you want to sit there and sit down and listen to me for two hours straight? Someday oh, I will. Someday. I don't even want to listen to me for two hours straight. <laughs> But my question uh, is, this is kind of a two-parter, is now that we've heard about some of the challenges, what are some of your biggest successes? And also, I guess, kind of lining up with that is, how do you define success? Well, um, not going to lie and to toot my own horn, the number one was pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah, that's so cool. I I got to have a Billboard number one song, and it was was gratifying in a lot of ways. You know, it was something sort of tangible that... uh, you know, my father could understand is like, oh yeah, Billboard number one. I get that. So that that that's the biggest, most recent one. Um, 
I feel very honored and very lucky to be adjacent to and participating in a lot of records locally that have gone on to do things and a lot of uh, been associated with a lot of artists that have had a, a just a, a great successful career in and of themselves. I guess it's guilt by association <laughs> in those cases, but uh, it's always, it's nice to be, you know, associated with the people who, who are successful and who've, who've, who've had success in the state of Maine and, and beyond. So, uh, you know, I mean, how do I define that success? It's hard, you know, it's, I think for me, the, the sign that I've done a good job is when, and, and I'll often do this when I'm playing back a mix for somebody when we could actually still be in the same room and I'm not emailing Dropbox files when people uh, actually good old came, yeah, came into the room and listened to the mix is I'll sort of stand in the corner and I'll watch and I'll watch for, you know, people tapping their feet or nodding their heads. And it's like, that's how my success is measured. That's, that's awesome. Great. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, you've been doing this for 23 years now and you know, when during that time, obviously, you've you probably met a lot of people and and along the way, inspiration. How do you how do you draw inspiration? Like what in who, what or who inspires you? Have you is there anyone that inspires you or is there something that inspires you? I mean, because 23 years is a long time yeah, to be doing this for sure. So, you know, what is it that gives you that inspiration to keep going or who has it, who has that been that has really helped you to keep sure. going as well? Uh, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work alongside some super, super talented people. Tony Visconti comes to mind, uh, who did a bunch of Bowie records back in the day and he produced Rustic Overtones debut. And I got to assist on that for a little while when I was like 22. Um, I really learned how to listen from him. I, he would, mm -hmm. he would listen to parts over and over again and, or he'd, he'd, he'd play something back. He's, he was like, that's great. Do it again. Play it again. And I was just watching him absorb the sound and learn the music. Um, that was really great. I worked with this guy, Warren Brule. He and I worked together on a, a record for a band called Vacation Land up here. Um, Warren had done a bunch of stuff with the Violent Femmes. Um, and Warren was like super zen and super hands off. And it, it, it took me years to realize what was going on. But sometimes something would go by and he wouldn't act on it. He would just sort of look around the room and see how people reacted. And he would sort of gauge whether or not something stuck by how everybody else reacted. He was constantly reading the room and constantly reading reactions to people. There are uh, producers and mixers that I, I have not worked with, but just love everything they've done. Rich Costi comes to mind. He's such a chameleon. He He's never, it's never, you know, you listen to something and you say, oh, that's Rich Costi. I always listen to something. I'm like, that sounds really interesting and intriguing. And what, who made that? And it's always Rich Costi. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he's done, you know, he's done heavy records. He's done uh, introspective pop records. Uh, he has refused to be pigeonholed into a particular genre. And he's just a really bright human being. He's really smart musically and otherwise. By the same token, Chad Blake is a mixer who I adore. And I've corresponded with him a little bit, but not ever met him. Um, he is one of the guys who you hear it and you instantly realize it's him because he has such a singular, unique voice. And that's really inspiring and something I hope to obtain someday. I'm not there yet. I don't have, 
you know, my own voice. But like I said, always improving, always trying to do it. it you know, living in Portland, Maine, having the giant that is Bob Ludwig around the corner is pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. And that sort of taught me at a very young age. And Bob, Bob and I do very different things in terms of our role in the processes of music. But him in, I think it was like 94, 95, he and Gail pulled up stakes from New York and moved to Portland, Maine. And you don't have to be in New York. You don't have to be in Los Angeles. Um, Mm -hmm. You can do work in Portland, Maine. And, you know, and of course, speaking of Gateway, Adam Ayan, who uh, has been my, my safety net, my first call mastering engineer for everything I will ever do. Um, and it's just been amazing to be able to sort of come up alongside him. And, and, and we're, we're about the same age and have been working together since we were 25 or 26. And wow. he, and he's, he's just killing it. He's doing such amazing work and, and constantly getting better. He is a, just a consummate professional. I, I'm, I'm super, super lucky to basically be able to hand off almost everything I do to him. That's so cool. Nice. A follow-up question to that is, have you ever been tempted to go to New York, to go to LA? Yeah, no, I lived, I lived in New York for two years, two and a half okay. years. Yeah, I was in, <laughs> I was in Brooklyn before it was cool. Um, <laughs> Back when you could afford things. Well, yeah. So I was in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which is, uh, you know, Williamsburg is just across the, the, East River from like the Lower East Side and then Greenpoint is a little further north from there Um, and you could actually afford this would have been 99 to 2001 I was down there and uh, I I did uh, I worked on big pop records and it was fine it ultimately wasn't what I wanted to do Um, I wasn't making any money and even when you could afford it you really couldn't afford it (laughs) Um, I, I didn't I couldn't do anything when I lived down there we had an apartment and I could buy a subway pass and that was about it. So, you know, after, after I left Brooklyn, the indie rock scene in Brooklyn completely blew up. And I'm talking about like two months after I left Brooklyn, like the yeah, yeah, yeah started happening and TV on the radio started happening and um, uh, the strokes, uh, all of that sort of lower Manhattan, Brooklyn, grungy rock Mm-hmm. sort of happened right when I left. So I kicked myself for that a little bit because I probably could have been adjacent to that and involved in that somewhat. But I love living in Portland, Maine. Um, when I was living in New York, I would take, this is pre-9-11, you, you know, I, I, would, I would call a car service. It would pick me up at my apartment in Brooklyn. And within... You know, it was probably an hour to get to LaGuardia from there, and I would walk straight to the gate and jump on this $99 round-trip commuter plane. I would be door-to-door in Portland from two hours from from Brooklyn, and I would come up and I would do independent rock records on, on weekends and, and whenever people could... Uh, could get me away from New York. Um, I did. So I did it. Um, I've thought about LA a little bit. I don't really like LA. I've only been there once. Um, that does seem to be where a lot is happening in Nashville. Obviously, I think maybe even more so these days, a lot of people I know have, have relocated from Los Angeles to Nashville. But I think at this point in barring something huge happening, I think I like being here Mm -hmm. and I would like to think that it's, 
a little more global um, that you don't necessarily need to be somewhere, but, you know, ask me again in six months. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is subject to change. Yeah, well, I mean, right now I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Well, that too, yeah. Definitely not moving back to New York in this. No. (laughs) So what is it, uh, and this is kind of another two-parter, but uh, one, what's your favorite place in Maine? And also, what do you, I guess, what do you like most about living here in Maine? Favorite place, my wife's family has a place up in Tenants Harbor that they have had for 50 or 60 years, and it is a little tiny piece of land on a little inlet, and these three decrepit shacks. <laughs> um, it It's wonderful. It, it You just, like the stars out there are unlike anything I've ever seen because you're so far away from light pollution it's the opposite of living in new york right it's it's just stars as far as the eye can see and it's completely isolated we went up for a week in august which was great to get out of i live in right in downtown portland and it's when i bought the place it was great because you could go everywhere but now it's there's there's not a whole lot of perks to living right downtown (laughs) in the midst of covid so Mm -hmm. yeah um, we try to get away uh, to that. We actually might go away this weekend. It's Jess's birthday, so we might. Uh, it's just just far enough away to be like to to feel like you're really getting away, but close enough that you can do it on the spur of the moment. Um, nice. I like. I, I I spent a lot of time in Ocean Park growing up. Uh, I was I was born and raised in Massachusetts, outside of Boston, but we would uh, we would vacation in Ocean Park, and so imprinted on me from a very early age are these giant you know mile long sandy beaches and you i don't think i realized that the world is not like that like you don't get that everywhere like you do in maine Mm. and ocean park what was the second part of that todd uh actually that that pretty much actually took care of all of it yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think you nailed it all in one part yeah and actually now there this is a bonus question because i didn't write this on that's cool so kim's looking at me right now like why are you (laughs) so I know that I know that John's a foodie. Yeah, and he's oh, very particular okay, about yeah. about about and actually, I think more so in the pre- preparing food. Like you are quite the chef. I sir. cook. Yeah, I I uh, certainly been cooking in quarantine. Let me tell you, it's oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's and for me, it's starting to show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, carbs are like my yep, safety blanket jo- right now. I, I joked about gaining my COVID nineteen. <laughs> mm. Oh, if, if it's only nineteen, yeah. I'm in good shape. <laughs> so, if you could, if you could tell me one of your favorite things to cook right now, and one of your favorite things to listen to right now. Okay, well, favorite things to cook right now. Like everybody, I learned how to bake bread in quarantine. Um, I, uh, I yeah, I'm not very good at it yet, but I, le- I learned. I also, uh, I think my other favorite thing. To, to cook, and I'll probably do it if we go up to Tenants Harbor this weekend, is just, you know, cooking barbecue ribs on a on a charcoal, oh, like cool. smoking them on a charcoal grill. Um, I don't have a, an actual smoker up there, but, you know, you can jury rig a Weber kettle to have heat on one side, and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I, was, I got really into barbecue for a while, and that's kind of my favorite thing, because it sort of necessitates being outside for a long period of time you're not going anywhere you're you're there you're tending a fire Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. are probably drinking a beer Mm -hmm. and you're outside and it smells you know apple wood smells terrific when it burns i'm salivating right now yeah (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> we should, maybe we should have done this after lunch. <laughs> yeah. So what, what am I listening oh, okay. to? Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts, believe it or not, especially a lot of local podcasts. I love to hear my friends talking because it feels like we can hang out. Yeah. Um, as far as music goes, I did a, I actually did another podcast where we did a, a Desert Island Records thing. And so I've been listening to some of that recently. Uh, the, my, my sort of, one of my number one Desert Island Records is Gillian Welch, Time the Revelator. I don't know if you know that record. I don't. Okay, no. so Gillian is a singer-songwriter and, and has a musical partner in a guy named David Rawlings, who is just a genius guitar player. And, and the record is just so stripped down. It's it's two vocals, two guitars, and that's pretty much it for the whole mm-hmm. record. Oh, Dry nice. as a bone, really sparse, really beautiful songs. And yeah, that's just that that's always been one of my favorites. I, I'm I'm woefully I don't want to say I'm, I'm just underinformed about new music right now. I sort of feel like mm. it's it's funny because these streaming services are giving us everything we wanted when we were kids. I, I'm sitting here and I can scroll through the entirety of what's available for music. And it's sort of you get that paralysis of what should I listen to? I have everything at my fingertips and I don't know what to listen to. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you experience yeah. that at all. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, that's actually been one of the places where social media has actually been useful as opposed to just being a torture chamber. Right. Uh, it becomes somewhat of, of a filter, right? Like you can, yeah. you can get recommendations and yeah. And I've, I've actually found a couple of, of, of different artists that way that have led to some interesting places. But yeah, it's, it's tough to, some, I, I, sometimes I, f- I realize like I haven't listened to anything. Yeah. There's so much out there. Yeah. My, all my desert Island stuff that I picked for this podcast was, I don't think there was anything that was less than 10 or 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of woefully not on the up and up with contemporary music. I ought to be, <laughs> <laughs> I try listening. I try listening to the charts. Like I'll, I'll, I'll put the, you know, if I'm in the car for a long drive, I had to drive uh, for like four hours the other day, and and would put on the Spotify, just the top charts, and the top charts don't really align with my tastes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not. It, I'm not saying one way or the other. Um, it, it, it's not. That's not a judgment. It's not bad. It's just not what I am totally into. Mm-hmm. Um, even in, you know, I love hip hop, um, and hip hop do- dominates the charts right now, but what's, what is popular hip hop is not really what I reach for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it just need to, we all just need to listen to more Spos and that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> when you talk I, about I, inspiration, I, that guy, like oh, constantly man. reinventing himself, constantly just doing things, making things all yeah. the time. Well, so cool. you you worked with him on the the album in twenty four hours. Yep, right? yep. That and that's one of that as as far as like and actually that's not that new now. I'm thinking about it was it. like three or four years ago. It was a while. But yeah. then again, it seems like it was five years ago. I know. March. May May. I was gonna say May seems like it was five years ago. <laughs> yeah. But that was one of the more interesting albums I've heard in a while. That, that it was just like okay, this is all new and different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and just a, a product concept. of the people that yeah. you get together in the room, you know, mm-hmm. it was all Spose's sort of 
uh, management, for lack of a better word, of, mm. of, of basically saying, right, if I put these t- people, okay, and here's, here's all the people I got, and there are 30 people, and then he's breaking people off into teams and saying, I bet you guys are going to make something cool. I bet you guys are going to make something cool. And, mm. you know, we had stations everywhere. There were, there were at least five different recording rigs going on at once That's all so throughout cool. the facility. Just a machine. It was, it was great, yeah. yeah. But I would have loved I would have loved just watched that. Yeah, I can't believe we ended up doing it. It was it was pretty great. Yeah. Well I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank oh, you this so was a much. Pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, you know, for, for including for me on this. Oh, it's it's been a pleasure on our part and yes. uh, be sure to uh, check out uh, all of John's uh, links that will be in the show notes and uh, learn more about him and of course also the music that he has worked on uh, because it's all well it all sounds good yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much John yes, we really thank appreciate you so it much thank you folks in. I appreciate it have all right. a great weekend you too